I'm back. <laughs> Both from five minutes ago and also for the last like three months, but hi. <laughs> All right. Well, firstly, just wanted to say thank you. Um, thank you for trusting me with uh, this position in the church. And uh, also thank you for releasing me for eight weeks. I know it was probably a bit of a, a sacrifice to you guys in some respect. And um, yeah, I thought it'd be good this morning just to firstly share a little bit of an overview from my time away on sabbatical and just uh, share a bit about what was happening, what I was up to, just before I launch properly into our sermon today, which funnily enough will encapsulate a lot of what God was saying uh, while I was gone. Uh, but the start of my time off was actually time off. Well, it wasn't time off. Time away on sabbatical. It was actually quite weird because, as I mentioned just before, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. I like routine. I like my, my little boxes in my week, you know, lined up and, and just I'm, I'm very routine oriented. And so to have my routine thrown out the window <laughs> overnight was very strange. And also as an extrovert who likes to be around people to suddenly be spending extended periods of time away from people, that uh, was also quite interesting. And so to get used to that took a little bit, um, but we got there. It, it felt a bit more normal over time. And it was just a beautiful time of just um, spending periods of time with the Lord, with other leaders, visiting other churches. Um, I got to meet a number of experienced leaders, uh, a number of pastors in a similar boat to me who have recently sort of taken over uh, the senior role. Uh, it's just to learn from them and how <laughs> things are going for them and how they are as followers of Jesus. I was able to read a lot of different books, um, including a couple of commentaries on Matthew and Romans, which was really good. Uh, visited a number of different churches, different denominations. I went to a Catholic mass. That was interesting. I went to regional churches, urban churches. Um, even got to go down to Melbourne to visit an influential church down there. Um, Taylor Swift was in town and flights were ridiculously expensive, but I was able to get a free rental car to take it back from Brisbane to Melbourne. I just had to pay for petrol. It was great. And then I flew home and got caught up in a whole bunch of other Taylor Swift and severe weather-related activities. But anyway, I got home okay. Ah, oh dear. It was a great time. Lots of reading, lots of praying. Uh, God's voice was, was clear throughout that time, just about what he was wanting to say to me and pass on to me. And, and uh, maybe some of that will come through this morning. And being back in the swing of things this week, uh, a lot of my routines resumed uh, in the normal times of day that they were, you know, eight weeks prior and so I found myself, uh, when reading scripture, ready to start a new book. I'm like, okay, Lord, what book shall we start reading now? And it might have been because David Elvery last week, um, as he sort of facilitated the, the big service with Dave and I, he was preaching from First Kings. I'm like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should read First Kings. Anyway, the first day that I started reading in First Kings, I came across this passage that I felt uh, captured the essence of what God was saying to me um, during my time away, which was really interesting. And so I thought, you know what, why don't we share that this Sunday? And, uh, and here we are. So we're going to look at a quick passage in First Kings shortly. Um, but just before we jump in, a bit of background for uh, the books, First and Second Kings. Um, did you know that originally they were one book? They weren't previously written as First Kings and Second Kings, but just one book about kings, uh, which they kind of, the compilers of the Bible saw it fit to split that in two for various reasons. But the goal of the whole book of Kings was actually uh, to continue to tell a unified story about the books of First and Second Samuel. So it kind of carries on the torch, carries on the story from, from there. 
Because in 2 Samuel, there's this time where King David is unifying the tribes of Israel. There's this prophecy that a messianic king would come and he would come and establish God's kingdom over the earth and he would fulfill promises that God made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis. And so, because these things hadn't come to fruition yet, this book of Kings, First and Second Kings, would continue to tell the story of all these kings that eventually would come to lead Israel, but how none of them would actually live up to this promise. None of them would live up to be the messianic king. None of them would fulfill these promises that God made to Abraham. And so this morning, in First, Second, no, First Kings chapter 2, uh, we're actually reading this story where King David is on his deathbed. And so he's passing on these final words to his son Solomon, having just installed him as king. It's very interesting. And so there's these great themes, even though it's a short passage, about walking with the Lord, about walking in obedience, walking faithfully. Hence the title of this morning's message, Walking with Jesus. So let's pray just before we read scripture together. Lord, we're just grateful for your word. We are so blessed in our day and age to have not just the ability to read and write, Lord, but to have your very word in our hands, on our devices. Uh, we are blessed. Well, there are many in this world, even today, who don't have access to that. So we find ourselves fortunate and blessed. God, would you go before us this morning as we read your word? Um, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you guide us? Would you soften our hearts? Open our minds? We want to be an obedient people who are walking with you. So Lord, show us what that looks like even more this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires, to walk in obedience to him, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me, that if your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and all their soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. The end. A beautiful passage, quite interesting as well. Um, I don't know about you, but when someone is sharing their last words, whether it's before they pass away or whether it's before you see them for a long time or whatever, last words are something that you kind of really listen to. You kind of can't help but lean in and focus and listen and go, I really have to pay attention here. This is important. It's time to listen. And that's what is happening here. King Solomon, King Solomon, King David is about to die. He's just installed his son as the new king. And so on his deathbed, he passes on these vital commands, these vital encouragements to him. He's saying, be strong. Fulfill your duty as leader and as my son. But more importantly, observe what the Lord God requires. He's saying, walk in obedience. Keep my commands. Keep my decrees. Do these things so that you may prosper. So that in all you do, wherever you go, the Lord may keep his promise. And that promise was a specific one from God to King David that if his descendants would watch how they live their lives and if they walked faithfully before the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, then they would never 
be a lack of successor to the throne of Israel. That's very interesting. It's also interesting to note that in ancient Israel, one of the fundamental obligations of the king was to rigorously observe God's commands. They were the leader, they were the role model, they were to follow God, they were to observe his commands. And so in many ways, these last words from King David to Solomon aren't a surprise because they weren't new. But it's still interesting because as you read the books of First and Second Kings, it's so confronting to read that king after king after king misses the mark. Kings who led Israel into the ground, kings who brought destruction on themselves, kings who worshipped other gods, and more. From my vague memories of Bible College, I think there was only two kings that got a positive report uh, in, in the authorship of this book, and that was Josiah and Hezekiah. They were the two that had positive reports in the history of Israel's kings. All the others were uh, not positive, let's, let's put it that way. But what's fascinating is that God is measuring the success or failure of these kings in the Old Testament on two key things. Their faithfulness to the Lord and their observance of his commands. It doesn't matter how capable you are in the military. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how wise you are, how intelligent you are. Even your deeds. What mattered to God for a king of Israel was their faithfulness to him and their obedience to his commands. And so this is very much what King David is passing on to his son Solomon as he dies. It's pretty powerful stuff. Now you might be wondering, Lee, how does this fit in with your sabbatical and all that the Lord was talking to you about while you're away? Are you suggesting that you're the new senior pastor and that you're our king or something? No, definitely not. But now that we're up to speed with First Kings, we can talk a little bit more about this. Because what I believe is at the heart of the text here in First Kings, the heart of what King David is passing on to Solomon, is this word called paradosis. It will likely be unfamiliar to many of you. It was unfamiliar to me until a few weeks ago, to be honest. But it's a word found in the original New Testament Greek language that can be defined as the process of passing on essential knowledge. And so King David is here on his deathbed, but he's doing paradosis. He's passing on this essential knowledge, this essential information that King Solomon needs to thrive in his role, to flourish as the king of Israel. And we see this in Paul's letters to Timothy as well. Um, Timothy is apprenticing under Paul. Paul's passing on this essential knowledge to Timothy. But we also see Paul acknowledging the family history that Timothy has too. In 2 Timothy 1, there's this paradosis that's occurring in Timothy's family. Paul says that, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now I am persuaded lives in you also. And so there's this beautiful passing on of the faith throughout the generations in Timothy's family as well. It's, it's, it's full of hope and it's beautiful. And the hope is that it would be passed down through the generations. I mean, Felicity and I have Veronica at home and <laughs> we're already reading the Bible with her. Boy, does she need it. She really loves, she actually loves reading the Bible at the moment. Toy Story's probably just edging up in terms of her favorite book at the moment. But there was a few weeks there where the Bible was her preferred bedtime book, which was really cool. And so we're trying to read scripture with her. We're praying with her. Um, sometimes in the morning, we watch some YouTube videos and 
there was this Christian one called Walking with Jesus, and sometimes you'd catch her down the hallway, like, singing, Walking with Jesus. And it's, it's very cute, but it's also paradosis, hopefully, because Felicity and I are doing our best. We're, we're praying for her. We're, we're being intentional. We're doing all that we can that we're in control of. We're certainly asking the Lord to plant a seed in her heart and form her, uh, even from her young age. But we want to pass on these essentials of the faith. We're wanting paradosis to be happening in our own home. Because the reality is, I'm a bit concerned, right? I'm concerned that in our current culture, across the Western world, here in Australia included, we're losing the art of paradosis. We're actually losing the ability to pass on the essentials of the faith that help form resilient and mature and emotionally healthy followers of Jesus. I'll speak more on the trends happening in the church soon, but we see this happening outside the church as well, just in the secular space. I mean, we've become very insular, individualistic. Um, There's more hermits alive today than there were back then because technology is just great at keeping us at home or in front of the TV or on our phones or whatever. And we're missing so many opportunities to learn from one another. Um, YouTube's great. Self-help books can be great. But it's not really the same as learning from someone right in front of you. You know, as I've learned different things, I mean, I've learned some of my stuff at Bible college, for example, online, but also some in person. And I can probably say pretty strongly that I feel like I learned more when I was there in person than I did when I was online. That's not a dig at online study. It was very good for me with Veronica being born and all that sort of stuff. But there's almost like there's something unique and special about being physically together in proximity with other human beings, uh, where we just learn more. And I think that there's part of God's intelligent design there. So just a couple of examples of, of things that have been observed in the world about this paradosis, okay? Um, and I'm stealing these from a sermon that I listened to because it was very entertaining. In Russia, there are intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, you might know them known as, uh, that can explode if they're not looked after very well. And because of a lack of paradosis, there are lots of these scientists and project managers and people who look after these weapons who are retiring or leaving the workforce, and there's no younger people coming through to fill in the positions, and those that are coming through don't have all the knowledge that they need. And so there are actual reported risks of these bombs just exploding because there aren't the required amount of people and care uh, available to prevent that from happening. I mean, that's terrifying. Oh, man. And then in our own country, if you're a frequent flyer in the airline industry, uh, there's been an increase in flight cancellations. It's not just Taylor Swift. There's other things happening behind the scenes. There's been flight cancellations and delays. And there was a report just last month in February that nationwide, because of Sydney Airport, it just affected the whole nation, um, two air traffic controllers went on leave. <laughs> and just because the guys that replaced them or the lack of staff or whatever... Like there was just this kerfuffle of mess because they didn't have the necessary experience or efficiency to just fit the bill, to f- perform the role, to keep things going. And so there was just these delights all across the, these, yeah, delays for flights all across the country just because two fellas went on leave, which they're entitled to. It's quite scary. They're qualified, but maybe these new guys weren't as efficient or effective in their role because maybe this essential knowledge and the decades of experience was missing. Interesting. What about the church? 
How do we see this happening in the church? I mean, I, I believe the church across the Western world here in Australia, I, I wonder if we're losing paradosis as well, that we're becoming less effective at passing on the essentials of the faith. I mean, the church is in decline generally across the West. There are places around the world that are growing and flourishing at phenomenal rates. Thank you, Lord. But where we are here in the West, the church is actually in decline. The younger generations, just to pick on them, not the specific ones in this room, because I know you guys are doing awesome stuff, but the younger generations as a general, according to statistics and studies, is that biblical illiteracy is concerning. Fewer and fewer young adults and youth and kids are engaging with scripture. And when they do, they, they don't feel confident or comfortable to handle what they're reading because, understandably so, it's quite hard to wrap your head around at times. We can thank technology and culture and all that stuff for, for driving us apart, I think, because we're increasingly individualistic, we're isolated, we're addicted to technology, we're time poor, we're anxious, we're stressed, and all of these things are actually taking away an emphasis on Christ and his word. They're actually stealing us away from gathering together, even right here, let alone during the week in small groups and different ministry gatherings. Society is actually being pulled further and further apart. And I wonder if the enemy is at work here, because over time there has been less and less opportunity for paradosis to take effect. Now you can probably tell that this is what I feel like God's been talking to me about during my time on sabbatical, this paradosis, that we need to recapture this heart of paradosis, to prioritize the passing on of information, to prioritize passing on the essentials of the faith. And whether that's in our families or with our kids or in our own ministries or with one another, in small groups during the week or here on Sundays, the community around us, all the above. Because the harsh reality is, without paradosis, there is no future connect. Without paradosis, there is no future global church. Now, I know, thankfully, that God's revealed to us in Scripture that his church will never die and that he loves his people too much to let that happen. But I believe that there's still something in our control as followers of Jesus that can bring change and flourishing to Christ's church as we partner with him in his strength. I believe that we can recapture paradosis, that we can help pass on those essentials of the faith with one another. Let's just go back to 1 Kings chapter 2, because David's on his deathbed. He's passing on these essentials of his role to his son Solomon. And he's saying, walk in obedience with the Lord. Observe his commands. Revolve your life around him. Revolve your life around these instructions that he's given you. Because that's your job as king. And if you do these things, you're going to flourish. You're going to prosper. And hey, if these descendants are watching how they live their lives, if you're faithful to me and there's people watching you, you're never going to fail to have a successor on the throne. I love that promise. That as we look after our own lives and our own practices and how we're following Jesus, that I know contextually this is a promise from God to David, but I wonder if it's able to be you know, conveyed to us here today that as people watch how we live our lives and how we love Jesus, that they actually start to notice, that they actually start to ask questions, that there are opportunities to convey some of this essential faith. 
what I'd love to try and do is to bring this concept of paradosis and the heart and the essence of these words in um, First Kings, to bring that into our context. What does that look like for us? What does that look like for us in our covenant, in our covenant with Christ? Um, because what I love about King David's advice to Solomon is that it's not dissimilar to an encouragement for you and I to follow Jesus. We know that God's followed through on his promises to Abraham in Genesis. He's followed through on his promise to King David. This messianic king did come, Jesus, and he did usher in God's kingdom into the world. But we also know that he lived a perfect life without sin or blemish. We know that he paid the price for our sins. We know that he rescued us from death. We know that he invited us into eternal life as we follow him and live for him. I mean, this is Jesus, and he showed us how to live. He showed us that he was faithful to God. He showed us that he observed the Lord's commands, the the, the single man in history to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and perfectly. And you might remember that being faithful to God and observing his commands, those are the two key roles for a king, and Jesus nailed both of them. And so as we study the life of Jesus... There's these beautiful habits and practices that are evident. There's these values of the kingdom. There's these behaviors. There's these responses to people that are shocking and surprising because it's not what we would expect. We see his heart for people, his heart for the lost, his disciples, his heart for the Father. We even get instructions on how to live, how to follow him, how to live in this new kingdom. And so as we talk about the need to recapture paradosis and to be people that are passing on the essentials of the faith to those around us. I think our first priority is to get to know Jesus well, to walk with him, to become more like him, to do the things that he did. Because he's the perfect gold standard in our discipleship journey. We might have mentors or people that we look up to, spiritual mothers and fathers, our own family, all of that. And they're great and they're wonderful. And they can certainly be a part of passing on the essentials of the faith. But we can learn none more than from Jesus. Now, the early church in the book of Acts um, referred to this as the way, with a capital W. If you look through the book of Acts, um, you might see every now and then where the apostles refer to the, the way, with a capital W. And you're like, oh, why is it, what's that? Why is there, is that, a, is that a mistake? Is that a typo? Like, why is there a capital W there? <laughs> but they called following Jesus the way in the early church. That was kind of uh, the group that they would associate themselves as very early on. And so my encouragement to us as a church is that in the coming weeks and months and years that, that we would actually practice the way of Jesus together. Because it's as we do that that we're going to discover who we are in Christ. It's as we do that that we're going to bounce back against the culture of our time and actually stand out. We're not going to become like the culture and be sucked in and torn apart. We're actually going to be countercultural in healthy, Christ-loving ways that are going to shine his light, expand his kingdom as we follow Jesus. But it's also where we're going to find rest and joy and peace and love Not a lot of that around at the moment. (laughs) I mean, we look at the culture around us and people are, you know, working more than ever. They're tired more than ever. They're anxious more than ever. 
And yet we look at the life of Jesus and he's just at peace, following the Lord wholeheartedly. And he's doing tough stuff. He is denying himself entirely. And yet he is at peace. He is rested. There are habits and routines in his life that help him live well, live perfectly. (laughs) And so it's as we follow Jesus well and closely that we find rest and joy and peace. Where we actually find a greater love for the Lord. Where we actually find a greater love for one another. Where the desire in our heart actually grows to spend life in community with our church family. To spend time with the Lord reading scripture and praying. To be generous and selfless. Because I believe that as we do that together, as we follow Jesus together and practice the way of Jesus together, that people start to notice You've probably already had questions in your workplaces or with your neighbours or wherever you are that because you live your life differently, that kind of starts a conversation. People go, why do you do that? Or that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you do that? People start to notice. Our families notice. Our children notice. Our neighbours notice. Our community notice. And that's the beauty of paradosis. That as we pass on the essential information and knowledge of the faith people start to notice because we're living life differently we find opportunity to pass on these little tidbits these little pearls of wisdom or these little parts of scripture we actually start to help make disciples they don't know that they're you know slowly being formed into a disciple but but we do so as a church just want to encourage each of us to make sure that we're walking with jesus that year by year we're becoming more like him. Am I angrier than I was last year? Am I more selfish than I was last year? Or am I becoming more like Jesus? Don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with being angry. Jesus was angry. He turned over the tables, he did all that sort of stuff. There are appropriate times to be angry. (laughs) Are we growing more like Jesus? Are we walking faithfully with him? Because he's the Lord of the church. He's the Lord of our lives. And so my encouragement is for us to submit ourselves to him afresh today. Let's not get stuck in our routines and our habits, which I'm very prone to. Let's not get stuck in those, but let's start every day by asking the Lord, what do you want me to do today? How does today look for you? This is your day, it's not my day. How do you want today to look? Is there a part of my life that you want me to tweak or change is there something that's not honoring you in how i live or how i speak how i think how i act when he's lord of our life nothing is safe everything needs to come into the light so if we're holding anything back it's not gonna it's just not helpful for anyone he is lord of the church and lord of our lives so my encouragement is to just submit ourselves to him afresh today I just want to encourage us just to spend the next minute or so just in silence. Uh, I just want to encourage you to submit yourself to him afresh in your own way. Um, that might be something that you do every now and then because you feel the need to. That might be something that you do every morning just as part of your prayer life. But I want to give us the opportunity this morning just to spend a minute just in silence together, submitting ourselves to the Lord afresh today so that we might become more like him, so that he is Lord of all of our life not just some of our life, not just our church box or our Christian mentality, but all of our life. So let's just have 30 or 60 seconds just to do that together.
Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for your grace. Lord, we often miss the mark, just because, just as we read king after king in your word, miss the mark, Lord. We, we often feel like we miss the mark and know that we miss the mark, but it's because of your grace, Lord, that we can be with you. We can be made right with you. Um, and Lord, it's because of your invitation that you um, invite us to become more like you. So Lord, we just pray as we submit one, just, just submit ourselves before you afresh this morning. You would do the work, Lord, in us that needs doing. That as we allow you to transform us, Lord, by your Spirit's power. Not through our own doing or our own striving or our own effort. It requires intentionality from us, Lord, but it's you who does the real work, the real deep work. Um, Lord, as we allow you to do that in us, um, Lord, that we might become a people that become more like you, that look and sound more like you, that act and live more like you. So, Lord, thank you for the model that you've given us in your word to live by. Thank you that you've instructed us to to do numerous things, Lord, in, in obedience and submission to you. I pray, Lord, that as we follow you together as a church, that we would prioritize our time with you, or that we would want to become more like you day by day, and that we would actually do the things that you did. We would prioritize the things that you ask. We want to be a church that honors you and glorifies you. It's a big part of our role as your body, as your church. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Pray for your, your blessing over this week, to protect us this week. Um, Lord, we just ask that your name would be glorified as we gather week by week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.